Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. I feel something I don't want to pass too quickly by. I feel something that I want to pull into the fabric of my heart and spirit and let his anointing touch our lives today in this house. So what do you say, amen, that we just abandon the schedule (laughs) and uh, ushers just, so I don't have to say this later, just kind of be mindful of our Sunday school and when they come in, just let them come on in whenever they get here and, uh, and let's just let the spirit of the Lord speak something into our heart here today. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in 2 Chronicles 16. We're going to read verses 6, 7, and 8. I'll tell you today that early yesterday morning, the Lord prompted my heart back to this scripture. I had been reading earlier in the week here, but I felt like the Lord just uh, sent me back here and... um, it's one of those things, I'm sure, I'm sure many will understand this, but I'm confident that every preacher in the house will understand this. It's like the Lord was trying to point something out to me and underline something. And so I just read this, made a few notes, and um, just went outside, busied myself with a few things to let it kind of marinate in my spirit came back in and I feel like the Lord has just really spoken something to my heart even early this morning I got back up and revisited this and it just seems like God just keeps tweaking turning and honing this for where we are today I don't think it's an accident that the spirit of the Lord is so prevalent here today amen because we don't have time to try to start low and build high Amen. Let's just start high and keep going. Amen. So in a few minutes, you're going to be seated, but don't sit down on the Lord. How's that? Book of Second Chronicles 16 and 7. And at that time, Hananiah, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Then a question is posed, and this question is actually a reference back to the 14th chapter, and we'll visit that in just a moment, but it's a reminder of another time, another season, another battle, and another enemy. He said, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. 
In the past, you fought a much greater battle. But your trust was in God. And because your trust was in God, he delivered them into your hands. Verse number nine, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, from this moment on, thou shalt have wars. Now, you would think at this moment, spirit of repentance, spirit of brokenness, but nothing like that. The Bible says, Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in prison, in the prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. I want to preach to you today from this thought, the source of our strength. The source of our strength. I mean, I think we know the source of our strength is, I think ultimately we know that the source of our strength is God. But lest we forget and sometimes realize or feel like that we can just reach down and take up the sword ourselves. I want to preach about the real source of our strength. It is not what we can do. It is not what we can accomplish. It is not in our talent and our abilities, and I don't want to offend any abled or talented people here today. And we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that your shoulder is to the plow. But I'm going to tell you that what we need most is the anointing and the authority and the power of God. Amen. Let the anointing of your spirit fall in this house today. Lord, I love you, and I thank you today, God, and I'm asking you now, would you just let your spirit, would you let your spirit just penetrate our hearts? Let it pierce the conscience of every man, every woman that's in this place, and I pray that both young and old will be challenged today by your spirit by your word, by the authority of that word. And I pray today in Jesus' name that when this service is said and done, oh God, it will be your voice that has been heard. It will be your will that has been conveyed. And we will embrace that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Now I realize... that what we have just read has cast the shadow a certain way. But despite what we have just read, Asa was really a good man and a good king. He had done a lot to bring the nation of Israel back to the Lord. If you read about his history, here was a man that had given himself to the will of God. It's amazing as you read down through the book of Chronicles, as you read through the history of of one great leader, maybe followed by another great leader, but many times then you you read along and you find somebody that on the heels of greatness did not follow God. And they continued to do or began to do evil and then others that would follow them and they would continue in that evil and then all of a sudden another deliverer would be raised up and do the right thing. And there is this up and down graph that just marches through the history of the nation of Israel But Asa had done a lot of things to bring Judah back to the Lord. 
He had reigned over a, a, a whole period or a season of time that was filled with peace and prosperity. God had really touched, blessed, and honored the efforts of Asa. He had wisely built up the nation. He built and protected the cities within his kingdom. He had amassed a huge army of men. The Bible gives us a a figure of somewhere around just under 600,000 men. Uh, And so during this particular time, at this point in his reign, he was faced with a foe that was larger than that. I mentioned that a moment ago. He faced himself, he found himself rather facing a thousand thousand, as the scripture puts it, Ethiopians. And so he's grossly outnumbered. His power and strength is, is weakened in the sight of all of this. But he knew his God and he knew where to turn in the time of trouble. I am not telling you today that his heart rate didn't go up or his blood pressure didn't rise a little bit, but down inside, at the end of the day, he realized I'm serving a God who is the source of my strength. And so he knew when I'm in trouble, I'm gonna call on the Lord and the Lord is able to help me. And in the book of Chronicles chapter 14 and verse number 11, the Bible said, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, help us, O Lord our God. This is not a mountain to you. This is a mountain to me, but it's not a mountain to you. And he said, it is not, it is not a challenge to you whether you're blessing those that have many or you're blessing those that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, And listen to these words, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord. Thou art our God. And listen to this final period in the sentence. As he said, let not man prevail against thee. Amen. We are your people. We are anointed of you. And so when they touch us, they have touched you. And so Asa just kind of formed this last sentence and brought God right into the equation one more and final time. He said, Lord, I'm just asking you, don't let man prevail against you. If they whip us, they have whipped you. If they send us home, they sent you home. If they turn us to run, they have turned you to run. And so, oh God, oh God, don't let man prevail against you. After this great victory, Asa continued to build the nation and to lead them even closer to the Lord. Here he stands now in our text at his apex. He's standing at the zenith of his ministry. And now he is once again faced with an army, this time from the northern kingdom of Israel. But this time is much different than before because this time somewhere along the way, Asa was not as desperate as he was in the times before. Somewhere he kind of got a little high on his own strength, his own ability. The cries and the newspaper headlines perhaps got into his head. He wasn't quite 
quite as desperate when he went into the presence of the Lord to say, Lord, it's nothing. If a man has little or if he has nothing, you can do it, Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, don't let man prevail against you. This was not the prayer of Asa this time. No, this time Asa said, you know, I appreciate all you've done for us in the past, Lord, but I think we got this. I think we can handle this ourselves. And if you read your Bible carefully, you'll find that Asa took money out of the temple treasury. He sent it with a message to the king of Syria, which was uh, to the north of Israel. His idea was for the Syrians to attack Israel from the north, so Israel would retreat from attacking on the south. And so he said, you know, we got this. We, we, can, we can do all this ourselves. We can fund this over here, fund that over there. We can kind of, uh, we can manipulate all this situation so that it works in our favor. Now the plan worked. What he had set in, my, in motion worked. The army of the northern kingdom backed off and the nation of Judah ultimately was saved. The implication, however, of verses seven through 10, which was our text, is that God wanted once again to give Asa a victory that was greater than the victory he had just experienced. Now you've won, you, you've done something good, you've got some victory here, but you see, Asa, you didn't get it. I had in my mind a greater victory. I had in my mind a greater victory. I had something larger for you than, than this. And so God wanted to give him victory over the Syrians as well. But because God didn't ask, because Asa didn't ask God, Lord, what do you think about this? How I need the, you know, we call it the mind of God. I mean, I want to know what you've got in mind. I, I want you to guide me. I realize that God's not just going to unfold his entire plan but Lord help me to go one step at a time so that I position and I set the right trajectory of what you have in mind for our future I'm going to tell you this morning that's why I believe every service is so vitally important because I believe every service is not just a time to come check our name off the roll sing a few songs clap our hands leaving feeling better about ourselves I believe there's a kingdom purpose amen there's a kingdom purpose that's going on around here. And I think every service, I believe that every song, I believe that every message, no matter who delivers the message, is a message that just helps reset the trajectory of tomorrow. I believe, hear me today, I believe that this service, this service is relying on not my ability, not my strength. This service is not relying on what has happened up to this point, but I believe that this service is somewhat hinged in what happened here Wednesday night. Amen. I believe what happened Wednesday night is somewhat hinged to what happened last Sunday. Are you hearing me? Why? Because God said, I got a plan for Hatchman Apostolic Church and I need this service to line you. I need this service to position you. I need this service. I need a word. I need a song. I need something to happen that just reconfirms the trajectory of where we are going. In the end, because Asa did not ask God his opinion, Asa ended up, instead of defeating the Syrian army, he wound up 
empowering them. He made them stronger because he financed them, so to speak, and having them attack Israel. And so here's what I want to take us to take away from this is that God was saying, well, you know, you did accomplish one thing, but I wanted you to have two things. You did wind up with one trophy, but I wanted you to wind up with another trophy. And so here today, hear me, I believe that God's plans are always bigger than our plans. All Asa could think about was how to get be victorious over the northern kingdom of Israel. That's all he had in his mind. I just gotta win this one little battle, but he was serving a God who had his eye on the war. Amen, he had his eye on the war. Asa said, well, I'm just gonna, I believe we can handle this battle. I believe we got enough money. I believe we got enough men. I believe we got enough power. I believe we can handle this battle. But God was shaking his head and saying, Asa, you don't understand it. I'm not just worried about this battle. I'm worried about the big picture. I'm worried about the war. Let me preach to this church today and tell you that we do preach and believe the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he could come at noon today. We believe that with all of our heart. But you hear me? That's not how we plan. That's not how we live every day. I'm planning for the future. You're planning for the future. I'm thinking about what if these children around here running around today, what if the, the time tarries and they grow up? I pray that when they get here, I believe when they get here where we are to adulthood, that they don't just have a testimony of how things used to be, but I want them to be raised. Hallelujah. I want them to be raised around the fire. But hear me, I want them to be able to raise their children around that same fire. I want them to be able to take their hand and not say, honey, this is how it used to be. But I want them to be able to say, this is how it still is. Hallelujah. God is our source of strength. Yes, he is. Let's tap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is our source. He's our source of strength. He is our hope, not just for today, but he is our hope for tomorrow. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so here is the question that needs to be proposed to you and I this morning. What if God wants to take us far past our dreams? What if God wants to take us beyond where we have hurled our furthest rock? What if God said, that's all right and that's cute, but let me tell you, I got something in mind. I got something in mind that goes way beyond that. I've got something that will go far beyond your dreams. I'm not trying to encourage you, amen, to, to be ridiculous this morning, amen, but I'm telling you, I, and, and I'm not even trying to get you to dream big for the sake of dreaming big. Amen. Amen. This is not about our dreams. This is about God's plan. This is not about our visions. This is about what God wants to do. Hallelujah. There's no way, hear me, there's no way if you could trace your finger all the way back to the heart of Abraham in Genesis 11 or in, Gen in Genesis 12, there is no way that you could find in the heart of Abraham the realization of what God was really saying, what God was really doing. It was just words. If you'll leave here, if you'll, if you'll divorce this and walk away from your father's family, and, and, or your family and your father and the, uh, and the uh, 
and all the idol worship, if you'll walk away from that, I'll take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Oh, that sounds wonderful, but there's no way in the heart of Abraham he could have ever comprehended Joshua and Caleb coming walking out of there with those grapes. There was no way he could have ever comprehended what God was really talking about. I'm here today to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to do something in my heart individually and in your heart individually, and he's wanting to do something with us as a church collective and so I say God you are the source of our strength and so let me dream not just for the sake of dreaming let me have a vision not just for the sake of a vision but let me see what you're seeing let me see what you're seeing oh let's clap our hands to the Lord stay with me now stay with me now this past Friday night, I had the privilege to be in a service where our general superintendent was preaching a message that stirred my soul to its very core. There was no doubt in my mind. There was no doubt in my mind as I sat there why I was there in that service. Now, I'm not being so pompous as to think that I was the only one being preached to. But I'm going to tell you that for just a little while during that service. I was sitting right in front of the pulpit. Amen. A few rows back from the front. And I just felt like God just kind of separated all those other people out of the way. You ever felt that way? Amen. The Lord said, I got something I need to tell you. Amen. I, I, I remember walking out of the service and Brother, Brother Chris and I had gone down there and who walked out of the service and I just made some reference to him. I'm not even sure if he remembers this. I said, well, I guess I'll spend the rest of the night doctoring up my feet. <laughs> not my toes, but my feet. He meant I told Brother Williams that very same thing the next day. He said, what, what are you doing? I said, well, right now I'm doctoring my feet. He said, what happened? I said, I went to Bellevue last night. <laughs> Amen, and, and he was sitting there. He said, yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Amen, I, I, I heard a message that stirred my soul. I sat there. It just seemed like God was trying to whisper something into my spirit. And so the challenge that, that, that was set before me was in such an undeniable fashion. Amen, the challenge was laid. A ball, so to speak, left in my hands. And now I had to decide what I was going to do with it. The task at hand, the task at hand just seems dawning. And at times I wonder just where to begin. Early yesterday morning as I was studying for today, I came across an illustration and I don't think it was just random, but I believe that God placed this in my path. And I want to share this with you today. Over a century ago, someone proposed that they build a bridge across the Niagara River. And by doing so, they said, if we could just somehow build a bridge, we could, at a minimum, link two nations. It would, it would save countless miles of travel and, oh, to think of the problems that it would solve. However, there was just one nagging question. And, you know, generally there's always just one nagging question. Just one nagging question. I, I realize that if we could span this chasm. I realize if we could somehow link this world to that world, oh, how it would bless, how it would, 
what, what a wonderful thing and how much it would set us forward. But you see, the question is where do you begin with such a project? I mean, the canyon walls are steep, the rapids are wild, and then somebody got a bright idea. And they said, I know what let's do. I tell you what, we'll gather up a bunch of boys, just a bunch of kid boys, and we'll offer a, 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 these boys $10, $10. Now, $10 back then would have been a quite a handsome sum of money. We'll offer $10 to the first boy that can fly a kite from this side to the other side. And so they began to set this campaign in place. When it was first announced, the critics, they began to laugh and scorn <laughs> at such a project. Okay, we're gonna build a bridge and we got some clown in the crowd talking about flying a kite. We, we, we need to connect two nations. We need to connect two nations. Do you understand this? And we got a bozo over here in the crowd that says, I tell you what, let's do. I think we can start this for $10. I think we can hire a boy to fly a kite. What in the world has a kite got to do with a bridge that would bring two nations together? Amen, but in the end, <laughs> in the end, history had the last laugh because one young man by the name of Homan Walsh flew the first string across the gorge with his kite in 1848. He succeeded and the process worked just like it had been envisioned. The boy collected his $10. He got his $10, rolled up his string or his kite, so to speak, not necessarily, and walked away. Therefore, what we see today, amen, was all started with a single string. And this is how they did it. The small kite string was connected to a larger string. And they began to pull it across. Pull it across the gorge. We're on to something now. We got something now. We got it going our way. And in turn, when they got the larger string across, they connected that to another larger rope. And they pulled it across. And when they got it across, they connected the rope to a small cable. And they just kept pulling. And they just kept pulling. And when they got the small cable across, you're already with me, aren't you? Amen. They hooked it to another cable, a larger cable. And now, and now, what a moment ago, what weeks ago, days ago was just a little boy flying a kite. Amen, was a formation of something. Amen, somebody that was laughing got the laugh smirk wiped off of their face and they thought, wow, I never thought something so massive could start so innocently. Amen, they had, I, 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 I believe it's entirely possible that the only thing this young man had in his mind, hear me now, was $10. I believe he saw an opportunity to fly his kite and $10. He saw an opportunity to do something that he enjoyed doing every windy day and get paid for it. He had no idea what was about to unfold for millions of people for decades to come. But hear me, standing behind in the crowd, standing behind that little boy with a kite, standing behind that little boy with a nudge was a man with a vision, a man that said, I think it can happen. Maybe a group of people that said, I believe that you're on to something. Hallelujah. As I read that illustration, my my mind exploded. My mind just started wondering and I thought about the churches today that are standing as icons of truth all around this nation and 
all over the world. And perhaps these beautiful buildings that we see with their stained glass and steeples that pierce the sky had a very humble beginning. I personally know some of them and some of their history. And their history, their beginnings were just brush arbors with seats that were cut out of old logs. Some people in the town and the community even laughed at those meager beginnings. What in the world are these old foolish Pentecostals think they're doing? Amen. Look at our big buildings and look at our steeples that are piercing the sky and look at all that we have. Look at all of our talent. Look at all of our ability. And here they are over there under some old palm fronds. Oh, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? Amen. It was just a brush arbor alongside their beautiful building. But I'll tell you what it was. It may have been just a brush arbor to them, but what it was to that congregation gathered up under that old dirt floor was a kite. Amen. I feel something bigger. I feel something bigger. I feel that we're about to launch something. Woo! I feel we're about to launch something bigger. And so with great faith, with great faith, they just kept pressing on. They just kept pressing on. Amen. It was just a single kite stream across the raging river, but it was a kite, a kite stream that was reaching across the, a, a chasm of sin and debauchery. Amen. It was reaching from here to a shoreline of hope. That's what it was. And those churches had become hope. I listened, and I've shared this a couple of times since then, but I've listened. Brother Jones even made a reference to it at, at our district conference about the humble beginnings of the, of the home church or the church that where his parents came out of and grandparents came out of down in Hog Pond, Louisiana. Him in Hog Pond where they couldn't even get anybody to stay for a long time. Somebody just come preach a little while and leave and, and his grandfather who wasn't even a pastor would just keep things going while he was away. But down in Hog Pond, there was a kite stream. Down in Hog Pond, somebody said, I believe something bigger than this is going on. I believe something bigger than this is going on. Amen. Finally, his pastor, amen. Finally, a man came there who turned out to be his pastor. And now he talked about all of the ministries that had come out of there and how many churches are in our organization today. Some of the larger churches in, even in our organization today pastored by men and families who came out of there. Many of our general board, people that have served on the general board, you, maybe you heard the story. We're there. Where did it all start? It all started because somebody said the source of our strength is God. The source of our strength is God. I'm not making this up when I tell you today that preachers have had rotten tomatoes thrown at them and rotten eggs thrown at them for preaching that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. Their families have been threatened. I'm not making this up. Amen. Their families have been threatened. We'll run you out of town on a rail. Amen. We'll put you on the road. But you hear me. They just kept standing. What was it? What was it? They realized the source of my strength is not whether man accepts me. The source of my strength is not whether man embraces me. The source of my strength is not whether man endorses me. But the source of my strength is God. It is God. It is God. He is the source. So they just kept preaching. <laughs> they just kept preaching. They just kept singing. They just kept preaching. You just can't preach it. I couldn't help but think about the history of this church. I know you've heard it a hundred times. Let's make it a hundred and one. What do you say? This church was started in a tent meeting, then to a small home, 
then to an old wooden building that somebody had donated, and then to a cinder block building, and then to the brick building where we are standing today. So how did we get here? How did we get here? How do we find ourselves here? How do we find ourselves here almost 74 years later? Amen, I'll tell you how we got here. I'll tell you how we got here. Somebody that was in that tent was willing. I mentioned a moment ago, they took the kite string. They tied it on to something bigger. They took that rope and tied it on to a small cable, but they tied that cable to a larger cable and they just kept pulling and kept pulling and kept pulling. And how we got where we are today is because somebody was willing to take the tent and tie it to a small home. And then somebody was willing to take that small home, amen, and didn't let that become a sacred cow. And they said, we're gonna, we're gonna tie this now to a wooden building. But whatever you do, don't let it become a sacred cow. Amen, whatever you do, don't let it become a sacred cow. And somebody before us was willing to take that old wooden building and pull it as far as they could. And when they reached that end, amen, they were willing to tie it to a brick cinder block building, a block cinder, a cinder block building. And when they kept pulling on that, pulling on that, pulling on that, pulling on that, somewhere in the late 70s, somebody said, I know we need to build. We need to do something. What are we gonna do? That means we're gonna have to walk away from there, but we're gonna tie that to this. We're not gonna abandon that for this. We're going to tie that to this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So that just leaves me with one question. And that is what are we willing to tie this building to? Amen. We've got a great history. A lot of it is portrayed in the hallway in a portrait. Amen. That brings us to where we are. Absent the tent and the cottage prayer meeting of the home of Sister Dorothy Land. Amen. That's not on the picture, but outside of that, it's captured there in summary for us. Amen. I'm thankful that somebody didn't say, oh no. Amen. This is good enough. I'm thankful somebody didn't say, well, God's been mighty good to us. We ought to just serve him out right here. Amen. They said, no, this is great, but let's keep pulling. I feel something in the future pulling. I feel something in the future pulling. And so, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this May 18 day. I thank you, Lord, for this Sunday morning. I thank you, Lord, for what you have privileged us to feel already today. But Brother Gibson, I feel the future pulling. I feel the future pulling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the future pulling us. Pulling us. Pulling us. And so my question now is are we willing to tie this to this? Amen. Are we willing to say, hey, hey, hey. Are we willing are we willing to tie this? Hey, hey, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Are we, I feel the future pulling. Brother Chris, I feel the future pulling. Are we willing to tie this to this? Amen, are we willing to tie this? Are we willing to tie this to that? I say, Lord, if that is your will, I say, Lord, if that is your will, I wanna step into your future. I want you to be the source of my strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, ho, ho. 
I feel you, sweet Lamb of God. I feel you, sweet Lamb of God. I feel you, sweet Lamb of God. Hear me. I'm thankful for every mile. I'm thankful for every stop along the journey. I'm thankful for everything that God has done for us. Amen. But where would we be? Where would we be if somebody said the old block building's good enough? Let's just hang out right here. You know what? I think God would have visited so many times. But then after a while, God would have said, well, if that's all you want, then I got somebody with hunger. I got somebody with thirst. Amen, I was here, hear me today. Amen, I'm not alone when I say this. I was here when we moved from that little old building over there, wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder, and we moved in this building, and it seemed like it just echoed from one side to the other. Hello there, hello there, hello there. To be honest with you, I was, uh, I think, 16 so years old. It was almost anticlimactic because you would think, oh, it's going to be exciting. We felt lost because over there, I mean, you were friendly if you were in church over there. If you didn't, never, if you didn't know your neighbor, you better get to know your neighbor because you're going to spend shoulder time, am I right? You're going to spend some shoulder time with him. You're going to be seated. Amen, but we moved. My faith, it seemed... Out of balance, it seemed disproportionate, but 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 somebody kept pulling. Somebody kept pulling. Somebody kept pulling. I mean, somebody kept pulling. And so, what if God wants to take us past where our dreams are? Now, I realize some people dream pipe dreams with no realm of reality associated at all. That's not what I'm referring to. Amen. However, because of the tendency of some to go too far, it causes others not to want to risk anything at all. But the question that I feel burning in my soul this morning is what if God wants to take us further than our dreams? <laughs> what if God has to, would, would want to take us further than we could dare even imagine? Just what if? Just, just what if God would, would take us to a place that we never, ever thought possible. Brother Bernard and his message, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not motivated because of just a man. Hear me today. I, I hope you've got more confidence in me than that. But as he began to share uh, Friday night about their very humble beginnings in Austin, as he and his wife went there with just her, her mom and dad, did it, is that what he said? Just, just his mother and father-in-law. <laughs> and so as they went there and, and, and uh, because he had gone to school there and because his wife was from there, they thought, well, we'll we've got a friends list here. You know, we'll go down through that and, and, and that's certainly some contacts and that's maybe we can start fishing in this pond of connections and that will be how we get this church off the ground. And he, he stood and he said, he said Friday night, he said, do you know, he said, not one person on that list did we ever win to God, not one. All of our plans Amen. What we thought was going to happen, what we thought was going to do, but God said, I've got another plan. I've got a larger plan. I've got something beyond what you can dare think or ask. Amen. Their church today, their church today, I'm not exact 
exactly sure the number, but their church today would run just somewhere under a thousand people. That's exciting. But here's something more exciting than that. From their church, they have started 16 other churches. Amen. That, amen. That is what's exciting. It's not how many a church will see, it's how many a church will send. Amen. And so I, I, I just wonder what would happen if we could realize what God, I know we quote this, but let's read it. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. Here is a God that can do more than we could dream. A God that can do more than we could ask. Please don't misunderstand me. Amen. To think today that we don't need a plan. We certainly need a plan. Amen. We need to take the necessary time to figure out where God is leading. I'm not talking about some knee jerk reaction here today but I'm going to tell you today that God had to remind the man of God was trying to remind Asa of one thing in Asa 16 and 8 he said we're not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host with many chariots and horsemen yet because you relied on the Lord he delivered them into your hand I'm going to tell you today that whatever this church has faced in its, in its past has seemed just as formidable the mountains have seemed just as high but you know how they conquered, you know how they won, you know how they brought us to where we are today is because they realized the source of our strength. It's here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and we're gonna call upon that name and we're gonna ask him to help us. Hallelujah, hear me today. There's not one service that doesn't start with prayer. There's not one mission that doesn't start with prayer. I'm telling you today that it might seem simple. It may, it may seem almost too simplistic for some, but when the van pulls into a nursing home or an assisted living facility or a jail or a prison. Those men bow their head and they say, oh God, amen, this is not the first time they prayed about the service, but they said, oh God, help us today. Touch us today and anoint us today because why? We realize the source of our strength. There's not one home Bible study that goes without prayer that somebody don't say, God bless us as we walk in the doors of this home. There's not one hospital visit that goes without prayer. There's not one visitation that takes place without prayer. Why? Because we know the source of our strength. Now what we need to learn from this pretty straightforward story is this. There's a danger in relying upon our own strength. We got this. Asa did have it, and he did win, but God had more in store. God had something larger in mind, and when Asa was unable to face the Ethiopians, he was in, he was in such a great place for God to work. When he was outnumbered, do you realize he wasn't in a bad place? He was in a good place. <laughs> when we're outnumbered, we're not in a bad place. We're in a good place. Because when you realize, and I, I've shared this before, <clears throat> 25 years, I've shared a lot of things before. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm keeping the phrases I can. But I remember being faced with something several years ago that just knocked us off our feet. And, I, and I'm telling you, I've been honest, every time I share this, I'll be honest today. When it first happened, I said to myself, I got this. I got this. About two steps into this, I thought, 
I can't do this. And I got overwhelmed. I'm, I'm not talking about an ingrown toenail, folks. I'm talking about, and I've had those. <laughs> I'm talking about something real crushing in on your life. I can't do this. I can't do anything about this. And I remember the terror. I can't do anything about this. I remember fear, Brother Everbird, grabbing me by the throat. I can't do anything about this. Laying sleepless nights, walking the floor, tossing and turning. I can't do anything about this. But I remember at some point in that journey, there was a third phase that I was walking into. And with that phase, the only thing that changed was the power and my confidence in God. Amen. It wasn't, my, 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 my realization was no different. It had me by the throat. I can't do anything about this. And then all of a sudden I realized, I can't do anything about this. I had to get there. I had to walk there. I'm, I, there's no S on my chest. I, I promise you that, despite the opinion of some. Amen. That's an inside joke for about three. I'm sorry about that. But I'm telling you, when I realized this is so much bigger than man, a peace came over my heart. Because I said, God, if the wrinkles get ironed out of this, you'll be holding the iron. And so when Asa was standing outnumbered, he was in the best place he could have ever been. Because he couldn't meddle in it. Amen. He couldn't mess with it. Later, he found himself better shape. I got it. And God said, that's cute, but I got more that you'll never understand. And instead, I often wonder, and this is another message for another time. I'm not trying to squeeze two in on you. This is probably going to seem like two by the time one o'clock gets here. <laughs> is I wonder what happened if Asa would have humbled himself. I wonder if God would have given him another at-bat and said, let's make this. But because he got bitter... And we'll talk about that in our, in our second hour. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. When Asa was unable to face the Ethiopians, he was in a place, great place. And that's, that's what this early congregations all around the world were doing, not just those here. I dare you if somebody asks you in the future, well, how did all this take place? Just tell them a kite. Just tell them a kite. Started with a kite. Started with a kite. That's how we got here. Started with a kite. Amen. That was the very best they could do. They were doing the best they could do. We need to be remember, remember to be very careful right here, because when it's it's it, when when all he could afford was to handle the situation with God. Amen. He was okay, but when he could afford to handle the situation without God, he got himself into some real trouble. Amen. I'm telling you, they need anything. We'll get you in trouble without God. In reality, we always need God. We should never rely on our own strength. Amen. It's the, it, it's, we should never. I know God blesses us. That's, that ought to be. God blesses us with talent, and he's blessed us with talent. And I say that humbly. But we should never outgrow the need of God. <laughs> Paul wrote to the Galatians. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and ye now made perfect by the flesh? Are you so foolish to think that you could start something in the Spirit and you can finish it by the flesh? Are you crazy enough to think that, that you've got to have God to get going, but you don't need God to keep going? 
You know, I just get amazed at how romantic some guys can be when they're dating. And what a thug they can be after they get married. If it took all of that to get her, wake up. Amen. And I realize that pendulum comes, well, boy, that was a light spatter of hand clapping, by the way. That was weak. Very weak. My, if my wife is even saying, yes, it was. You want me to say it again, baby? I'll say it. You get her fired up, you're going to have trouble on your hands. You want the microphone, baby? Come up here. Amen. We, what? <laughs> Amen. We need God. We need God. I want to stay fresh. I want to stay. I want to never lose my desire. I don't ever want to lose. No, no, no. I don't ever want to lose my passion. In reality, we need to be in a place where we can trust God at all times. I know that by myself, I cannot do it. Second uh, 6 and 9. Let's go to the ninth verse here and and the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, Asa. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. You're going to have trouble on your hands, sir. If you think you can fight on your own, then fight you'll do. You'll spend your life fighting. They'll wake you as an old man when your bones are aching and say, Asa, it's time to go to battle again. He'll say, oh no, not another battle, not another war. I don't feel like I can do, I'm an old man, I can't do this again. You should have thought about that, Asa. You should have thought about that when you launched out there on your own. You should have thought about that when you bypassed the altar. You should have thought about that when you said, I don't need to fast today. You should have thought about that when you said, I don't need to read my Bible today. You should have thought about that, Asa, when you went to war without me. Because if war is what you want, I'll give you all you want for a lifetime. The Lord searches all the earth for people who will give themselves to him completely. He wants to make them strong. God is actively looking for people that he's going to help. Amen. God is actively looking for people that he's going to help. He's looking for somebody whose heart is committed to him. He's looking for somebody whose heart is loyal to him. You know, the scripture keeps coming to my mind. And pardon me for not just being able to know this right off. But one of the heroes of faith, and I think it may have been Abraham. Somebody may need to help me here bail me out but after he had conquered and then who was it that, that said let me bless you let me give you something and, and he looked at him and said no if I take a blessing from you then you'll say you made me if I take a blessing from you if I take your reward then you're going to put the trumpet of praise to your lips and you're going to say I made him the man that he is hear me today while we need the hands of human people to be a part of what God is wanting to do would you please hear me today what we need is to position ourselves in such a way that God gets the credit amen for this service amen I don't want our I love you musicians I love our singers and y'all know this I'm not trying to pick on you but please don't walk out of here and high five yourselves on the the front porch of this church oh we did it today oh yeah we got it today please don't get together in a huddle and think I wonder how lost this church would be without me hear me today I say oh God what we need is your strength we need your power we need your anointing give it your best practice all you can give us your best but oh hallelujah I like what I saw when I come in the side door of this church 
this morning, amen, a long time before most of you got here, they had already sang, they had already practiced, they had already gone over and got a plan and then they gathered right here and they said, now God, we need you to anoint us and God, we need your favor upon us and God, we need you to strengthen us. We can't do this by ourselves. Oh, hallelujah. Can you hang in there for just a few more minutes? I got a point, another point I'm trying to make. Amen, the last portion herein, you've done foolishly, Asa. Therefore, you're gonna have war. Amen, you're gonna have war. You know, sometimes we get to thinking it don't matter how I do it as long as it gets done. There's some people that live their whole life thinking that the ends justifies the means. Got quiet. You know, if, if I gain some notoriety, it doesn't matter how I gain it. If I get some success, it doesn't really matter how I get it. Yes, it does. Yes, it, it, may, it matters the journey you take where you're going. No matter where you get, it matters what road you travel to get there. Now, I want you to watch the 10th verse. I'm, I'm, I'm wore out. <laughs> I'm giving everything I know to give today. Amen, but you're, you're not sitting still. Thank you for that. I'm not even sure why I said it. I'm trying to catch my breath, I think. The Bible says, then Asa was wroth. The seer, the conscience walked in. Said, you shouldn't have done this, Asa. Instead of Asa, you know, David got caught in a similar situation. Nathan pointed his old crooked finger, put it around the end of his nose and said, thou art the man. David said, oh, oh, God, oh, God. In one verse, he repented. In one verse, he repented and, and got right back on track. I know it wasn't over. There was a funeral. There was a couple of funerals, as a matter of fact, to take place. But I got back on track. When he come in, something rose up in the heart of Asa. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I'll tell you what I'll do with you. I'll put you in prison because i got the power to do it. Because he was raged, raged, raged. And Asa was so out of control that the Bible doesn't give a lot of detail of this. It just said that he just opposed other people and oppressed other people. He was just, he was just so angry until not the man who come and made him mad, but they were innocent people that got caught up in the, in the nonsense. Something changed in Asa. He didn't want to be willing to listen to what God said. Perhaps it was because he had grown as a king and maybe he thought he didn't need God anymore. Perhaps he had gotten to the point where nobody can tell me anything. I'm just going to do my own thing. That's a dangerous place to be. As our musicians come, this is a story that has a very, very sad ending. Actually, it was the ending of his life in all honesty, that caught my attention earlier this week as I began to read this story. And it was yesterday that I just came back to this point. But it was what I'm about to read that really hung in my spirit. And I picked up my pen and a little notepad beside my chair, I wrote a phrase. Verse 10 says that Asa got so angry with the voice of reason in his life that he imprisoned him. Hear me today. He locked away the voice that God 
had placed in his life to get him back on track. I'm not asking you to give me permission to abuse you. That's ludicrous. Nor am I asking you to give anybody permission to abuse you. That's nonsense. And I don't say this to make my wife uncomfortable. I don't say this to, to sound morbid. But if this is the last message that I ever have the privilege to preach, promise me one thing. Don't fill this pulpit with a hireling. We need somebody that's a voice of reason in our life that can just speak to us when we need to be spoken to. Amen? I need a voice in my life. Amen? Hear me. I'm not just preaching for I'm trying. I hope when you get to heaven, I'm there too. I'm trying to get to heaven. Amen? But he locked away that voice of reason, and that seems sad, but if you keep reading, here's where you find something very troubling. Verse 12. And Asa, in the 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet. If you won't follow me, I'll remind you of this day the rest of your life. And the disease was exceeding great. Oh, how frightening this last line. Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. I'm still going to lean on the arm of flesh and my own strength. I'm going to tell you something. Brother Corrin is the first person I ever heard really put it this way. Brother Corrin several years ago was having some problems with his feet and he told me, he said, I'm going to tell you something, brother boy, when your landing gear goes out, you're in trouble. <laughs> if I had known what to say right then at that moment, I would have said this. I didn't, I was just taking it all in, but I, I would have said, had I known the future, I do not receive that. Because little did I know, I wasn't very long from having some problems with my own landing gear. And when your feet hurt you. you got problems. I, you know, I, feel, I feel some people in here with feet problems. <laughs> It'd be a good time to advertise for a podiatrist. <laughs> when you start having problems here, because you see you can't get away. If you get anywhere, you got to use them. If you do anything, you got to use them. So God didn't disease something he needed on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. God said, I'll put a disease in a place you'll think about me every day. Every day. We better make sure that we know who's running the show and follow him. No matter who we think we are, there'll never be a day that we don't need him because he is the source of our strength. This is an age-old illustration. I read it years ago, have used it many times, but oh, how fitting. An officer in the Navy who had just dreamed as a little boy to command his own ship finally attained that lofty goal. He achieved his dream, was commissioned to the newest and the proudest ship in the fleet. 
One stormy night as the ship plowed through the seas, the captain was on duty on the bridge. When off the port, he spotted a strange light rapidly closing in on his own vessel. Immediately, he ordered the signalman to flash the message to the unidentified craft. Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Only a moment had passed before a reply came. And this reply said, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Determined that his ship would take, never take a back seat to another ship, the captain snapped an order to be sent. And he said, tell them to alter their course 10 degrees. I am a captain. Moments of response being back, alter your course 10 degrees. I'm a seaman third class. Now infuriated, the captain grabbed his signal light with his own hands and fired off. Alter your course, I am a battleship. To which the reply came, alter your course because I am the lighthouse. We need to realize where the light's coming from. And quit trying to tell God what to do. Let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. You've been so patient today. No matter how big or important any of us think we get, hear me, we will never be so big that we don't need God. I don't really know how to close this service, this portion of the service. I don't really know, but I just believe we ought to reach out. I'm asking you today this one question. Will you receive this word? Because that's what will make all the difference in the world. Amen. I want to receive the word. He is the source of our strength. He is the source of our hope. He is what we need in this hour. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's cry. Open our mouths. Let's let our voice be heard. This is not a time for silent prayer. This is not a time for mealy mouth prayer. But oh, God, whether... You're speaking to me individually or speaking to me as a church. God, I wonder if you would just speak to my heart today and anoint me in the name of Jesus. Let your authority, your power, let your promises be yea and amen. Yea and amen. Yea and amen. Yea and amen. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family